Hello. Welcome. It's the Fight Site Podcast Network. This is Ed Gallo. I'm here with Sharam Raleigh Darn. Uh, we're going to talk about the sport of mixed martial arts. <laughs> um, I'm excited about that, I think. No, not really. Uh, uh, but, yeah, not yeah. for this week. <laughs> <laughs> I, missed, I missed last week, so I'm excited to be talking about anything, really, because uh, mm-hmm. I like the attention. So yeah, that's how I'm feeling right now. Yeah, I mean, I also missed last week, uh, as in the entire podcast missed a week, because as right, we know, um, I am yeah. the, the glue <laughs> holding this entire franchise together, and when For I'm sure. gone, it just, it just doesn't work. But yeah, class has started, and I just, uh, I would have had to stay up very, very late and get up at 9 a.m., which is not worth it for Cannoneer versus Gastelum recap. Uh, but yeah, we're here now to talk about that and so much more. Uh, I'm excited to talk about MMA in general. I'm not super excited for these fights, but... That's just the way it goes in this long, dreary summer march. Yes, yes. Um, we're both graduate students, so you should all be very impressed. We're, we're smart about a lot of things. That's why you should trust us. Um, anyway, yeah, fighting. It's, it's just confusing because maybe I'm just jaded because it's been, you know, the amount of time it takes to become jaded, you know, 11 years, something like that. But it feels like there's less parity in the UFC than there used to be. Like the fighters at the top are fighting each other and they're the best. And that's pretty consistent. Um, But below that, like the matchmaking feels really weird and there aren't a lot of contenders I get excited about. Um, And just feels like relative to the worldwide quality, uh, the average quality in the UFC has gone down of fighters. I feel like there are more fighters who are further from being the best in the world in the UFC than there used to be. Um, and I think that's probably because the world has gotten better, but I feel like they changed their strategy a bit. Yeah, I think the UFC has gotten a lot lazier with talent scouting. Mm-hmm. Um, we're looking at that, like, I think we're recording this, like, a couple minutes after Contender Series ended, uh, and you could tell right after there was a big flying knee knockout, that guy would be going to the UFC. Yeah. And <laughs> Like, that's cool and all. I support people having jobs, I guess. I don't want to start out with, like, oh, fire this guy immediately. You hired him wrongfully. You can't sue people for wrongful hiring, and that's for a reason. But it's also contributing to the fact that it's really, really easy to get into the UFC now compared to any time prior. Uh, And for as many... It's so easy, I'm going to do it. (laughs) I, I believe in you. But... Like, compared to having to have, like, a strong regional record, for instance, or having to even go through The Ultimate Fighter, which was kind of a farce in terms of, like, a TV show. But in terms of a structure for competition, it makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, If guys win fights over and over and over, you're like, yes, this guy can win fights against guys who we know and we've seen Mm -hmm. can be competent. Uh, Compared to, like, flying knee knockout over a guy who's 2-1 and in Oklahoma, it's just, it's weird. Um, And I think that's, uh, the issue isn't just that they're having these guys. It's also that it's becoming a really easy, cheap labor replacement for guys that they should be keeping. Yeah. Um, I think we did not talk about Jimmy Rivera's release uh, slash no. contract ending. Uh, it's a massive shame. Rivera is a tremendous fighter. Even now, uh, losses to Pedro Munoz, Peter Jan, uh, Marlon Marias, and Aljamain Sterling, all of that, like none of that disqualifies you from being a great fighter. Mm-hmm. As much as I want to say losing to Aljamain Sterling does, it does <laughs> not. Um, but... They released him, and I think I would argue that even if it wasn't directly due to them having a ton of cheap labor, there's really no reason for them to come to, like, a real compromise with a Jimmy Rivera-type fighter, someone who doesn't draw all that well, someone who's in a deep division, and they have, like, nine of him, apparently. Uh, to someone without eyes, they have, like, a billion Jimmy Rivera's. 
there's really no reason for them to say, hey, I'm going to pay you more when they have John Cornman down the street who can only do twisters winning in a contender series. <laughs> it, it, he looks uh, cooler. He's so, real. He just pops into <laughs> existence. I, I am a god. I speak into <laughs> existence. But that's the thing. Is that I think that's probably what's to blame is that when you're letting go of all this strong talent and you're bringing in people, like, it's also, like, it kind of goes towards why, like, people say bad cards tend to be the best. And it's that when there's no parity, it's really easy to look good. You're going to get yeah. you know, flashy knockouts or complete dominations. Uh, or sometimes when things match up really well, you're going to get a sloppy, gross war between people who both of them shouldn't be there. So it evens out and looks like both of them should be there. Uh, that's why, like, a lot of Bellator events, you have, like, a ton of minus 600 favorites and everyone wins by heel hook or something. Yeah. Just weird <laughs> shit happens when you when you do mismatches. And that's the way that the UFC is trending. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and meanwhile, Bellator is also taking up a decent <laughs> amount of good talent, um, which, I mean, you know, it's, that's a good thing um, because they should have places that they can go to get paid uh, because yeah. the UFC, you can't trust them to pay you what you're worth. So if there's it's someone just, who will, good, you know. Yeah, it's just kind of unfortunate that, like, even the UFC's worst cards don't end up worse on, like, drawing statistics than Bellator's mm-hmm. best cards. I think Strickland versus Hall, which was just a right. dire card, uh, it beat out the uh, Patricio Pippo versus AJ McKee card, which is just unjustifiable, uh, but it happened. So. They know. <laughs> they, they have <laughs> gears of, of data to support that the cards don't need to be good um, very often. They just need a few that hold up the brand, and then they can do whatever they want in between, and people will still check it out, and it'll be a you know, baseline good enough to keep things moving. Yeah. They're definitely trending towards a more top heavy structure. Um, but you know, things, things could change, uh, when some of the stars age out and just everybody left is just good. Um, but then, you know, maybe they'll lean on, you know, more gimmicky stuff. Um, I mean, they, they definitely, they use CM Punk. They weren't ashamed to do that. Um, they'll do something like that again. I'm sure one of the Pauls will end up having a fight. Um, it'll happen. It'll definitely happen. Yeah, that they, actually they wouldn't seems... pass that up. They're a talent management agency. Yeah. <laughs> that is surprisingly likely, and that scares me. The fact that mm-hmm. you mentioned it, it's just now it's going to happen. If yeah. I didn't say anything, <laughs> all right. But uh, yeah, I mean this this conversation is just kind of to preface that there weren't many fights that happened in the past two weeks that I cared about a lot. Um, there were some good, you know, entertaining fights, a decent amount of entertaining fights, but it's, an entertaining fight is an entertaining fight, but an entertaining fight between meaningful fighters um, at a high level is uh, so much bigger of a deal. Um, so just by comparison, you know, a fight that is just exciting because a lot happens, it doesn't really feel the same way, but stuff happened. So let's get into it. Um, the Barboza Chikadze card, that was the most recent that occurred. Um, this was a rough one. <laughs> just because you know it, it was a lot happened um but just the like i said the meaning of the fights wasn't much i mean the most meaningful fight in the card was giga chikadze so let's let's start with that i mean this the main event was the best fight for sure um the most meaningful fight and i actually i was getting ready to complain about uh giga and like how he's being built up and stuff like that but i actually think his matchmaking has been pretty good um, they, they, they slow rolled him at first and he was just 
demonstrating that he needed to be slow rolled, like getting mounted by Brandon Davis a bunch. <laughs> um, like it's not good, bro. Um, but he, he figured it out. And, uh, you know, after beating Swanson, Barboza, you know, kind of makes sense as a step up. And um, I think it was totally reasonable to expect Barboza to pose problems for him. Um, and I think in the fight, Barboza showed a little bit of what could have been an issue if he thought like he wanted to do those things. Um, I think he was a little surprised that Chikaze could get his kicks off on the outside and he wouldn't have the eyes to see them in time to react the way he wanted every time. And it's really tough to deal with the simple middle high uh, round kicking dynamic when you have a really snappy, powerful round kick uh, and he can just fire it off open side from either side um, and you know smash your arms and bring your arms in and kick high a bunch of times to set up the body kick. It's usually the opposite of what people do. Um, but that, that was given Barbosa a lot. It worked every time. It worked every time. He he would have a couple blocks and then he would hit where he wants to hit. Um, because it's just like if you're gonna stand there at that range <laughs> and not, not make him go backwards, he's gonna be able to get those kicks off because he's super good at it. So um that that messed him up. And then the boxing dynamic was really weird because Giga really only had like an intercepting straight on the back foot, um, which ended up working <laughs> pretty well. Um, but most of the time that Barbosa really committed to, you know, attacking in combination and hitting the body. Um, he wasn't like landing great, but he was making Chikaze's feet ugly and, you know, putting him in bad positions. And it was just much better for him uh, at that point. You know, if, if there was going to be any grappling in the game plan, that probably would have been the time to do that. Um, but yeah, Barboza does not like to pressure. Um, he doesn't like to be pressured, <laughs> which is, uh, he just has a negative relationship with pressure overall. So Eventually, you know, once he kind of got backed off and got hurt a little bit and Chikadze got on the front foot and pressured him, he was toast. Yeah, it feels like there are a weird amount of featherweights who are like that, where uh, a lot of their, their interaction with Greencraft is just, I don't want to do it. Yeah. Think about it's annoying. Um, Korean Zombie's another one of them, where, like, if you make him pressure, he'll just sprint at you, and if you pressure him, he'll walk to the fence. Uh, Calvin Cater is one. I'd say he's, like, he probably has the best mechanics in terms of getting off the fence and even, like, pressuring he just doesn't really care and wants to be a neutral. And now Barboza's mm-hmm. one of those guys where all, his mechanics are the most actively ugly out of all of them, uh, especially on the back foot where he, it, it looked really bad at lightweight. It looked like he kind of fixed it at featherweights because he was just insanely heavy-handed. But then when a guy just didn't give him that many exchanges to work with, when he had to enforce the exchanges, it didn't look as good. Um, but, yeah, insanely weird fight to me. Um, I'm mostly mad at Edson about it because he beat Burgos and then lost to Chikadze. I've never been a Chikadze believer necessarily, but in a division where no one fights all that often and the guys who try to fight particularly often, like Cater, are like forced into massive layoffs, being able to fight like six times in two years, that's massive. Mm-hmm. Um, and it deserved... It wasn't a step up in the rankings necessarily. I think they were like right next to each other in the rankings. They gave him uh, a huge bump based on the Cowboy, which is kind of silly, yeah. but... He, he, he belongs, I'd say. It just didn't really totally make sense the way they did it, but that's yeah. fine. <laughs> it's kind of what they did with Islam. They just kind of ranked <laughs> him on ability, which is not, should we trust them <laughs> to make that determination? But it's, yeah. it's pretty much true. Yeah, I think the thing with Barboza especially is that he probably should have been ranked above at least a couple guys ahead of him. Because he got robbed, he yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't really know who else is ahead of him, but I probably would say he'd beat someone like Korean Zombie. 
Um, mm-hmm. He's a bad fight for someone like Calvin Cater, even. So, I mean, actually, they're both kind of ugly fights for each other in a really stupid way. So It's a really the fact dumb is, fight. They should do it. You know, <laughs> he's competitive with a lot of people above him. Uh, and beating him, it means something, uh, especially beating him at the range that Tia Chikaze did. Um, I'm mostly just kind of perturbed at the way that Edson Barboza, like seems to have reversed the dynamic that's troubled him. If that makes sense, like a featherweight, it was all, or rather a lightweight, it was all. If you can like prep, push me back, and my feet go all over the place, and I hit you, it doesn't matter, uh, and I'm gonna have to walk into the fence and get beat up. At featherweight, it's like Shane Burgos fought the strategic fight that he's used to. It wasn't a specific strategic fight necessarily, but Barboza dealt with it in a lot more poised and like effective manner uh, mm-hmm. against Giga. It's he seem to both guys seem to not like the fact that the other had kick defense yeah um, Chikadze, uh I think the first round uh, I think most people gave it to Chikadze. Uh I thought there was a knockdown but it looked like a slip on rewatch uh, but it seemed like Chikadze was like expecting it to be able to just blast hard rear kicks from southpaw uh, to the body the, the giga kick uh, and Barbosa just rear leg checked it which is actually super cool I like watching people do that uh, and then like, after three of those happened, Chikaze just kind of shifted in and ate a hard right hand up to the face. Uh, so it seemed like both guys were kind of frustrated by the fact that their kicks weren't as free and as effortless as they wanted to be. Yeah. But uh, Chikaze kind of made it work. I think the intercepting jab uh, and the intercepting straight worked out well. I liked how Chikaze was kind of weaving out along the fence when Barboza tried to enter in. Uh, Barboza didn't really have much of a method to enter in along the fence on Giga himself. Um, he had some decent reads on the counter, I think. He counter-jabbed him a couple of times, and he was able to catch him leading exchanges with a long right hand to the body, which was nice, and I think that won in the second round, but he just didn't really have the tools to get the fight where Chikadze was a bit less competent. Um, Barboza, he's a much better pocket boxer than Chikadze in, like, pretty much every one of his fights. Uh, he's a sharp combo puncher, and a lot of the, like, even when he's able to kick, it flows a lot off his punches. He likes to dutch you a good bit, um, you can fake reactions and kick them as they're like checking and putting their leg down or blocking. And it's a lot of playing off his punches in neutral. And he just never really got the chance to do that against Chikadze. Um, both guys' kicking games didn't look as strong as it usually does for that reason. Uh, and I think it's just like when Barboza wasn't prepared to get pushed back super hard, I think end of the first round and beginning of the third for, for the finish, his reactions just look completely awful like it always does. Um, one thing I liked about the finish, uh, Chikadze actually did a nice job uh, cutting off Barboza's ugly exit with that long mm-hmm. left hook. It was like an ugly, like, uh, it was, uh, if people, uh, I've seen a lot of people point out like that uh, Dominic Cruz counterpunching mode against TJ Dillashaw, like he like straight arms a hook. <laughs> uh, it was kind of like that where it was like, it was just so gross, but it worked. It cut off his exit. Uh, it forced Barboza to like slow down, moving backwards. And uh, yeah, I mean, also the fact that he bailed on the Darce choke as soon as uh, Barboza sort of looked like he was going to get out, just punched him more. That's cool. So yeah, Chikazi seems like an annoying guy to fight uh, more than anything. I think that's probably the thing that's going to get him more wins than he maybe should get. Is mm-hmm. that dealing with a guy who's huge and kicky? People don't like that, and in featherweight, mm-hmm. they especially don't like that. So, yeah. And there aren't a ton of wrestlers in the division right now, so kind of a good time to be to be that guy. Um Max would destroy him, <laughs> by the way. Um yeah, he's just he's he doesn't have enough depth uh, as a boxer. Um just you know, one one counter punch. Uh, really that's, the not, craft. that's not gonna be good enough. <laughs> yeah, if your ring craft is like that and you only have one counter, um he can walk 
at you and do whatever he wants. And he's not a bad kicker, and his kick defense isn't bad, despite people thinking that because of the Volkanovski fights. Um, you know, he's he's a little vulnerable, but he makes adjustments. Like it's not easy to continue to kick him for free. Um, he made it hard for Aldo. He made it hard for um, for Volkanovski actually for um, Cater as well for Cater. You know, it's it's not easy to kick him. So, you know, he might take a couple, but that's he's Max Holloway. So he can take a Hitting couple. Hitting him doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> um, I see. He would walk him down. He'd, he'd beat him up. But, um, I don't know, he could be interesting for a lot of different people in the division. Um, maybe he'll fight Cater. Does Cater have a fight? Uh, I, I've heard some talk of him fighting Arnold Allenson. That's a mm. cool fight. Mm. Um, but, I mean, I feel like it's probably going to be. Who? I think Cater wins that. I, it, feels, it feels annoying for Cater. Mm-hmm. Um, but Cater's also like straight up better, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's one it's of those guys that can kind of go fights. with him in his zone, but a guy that isn't nearly as threatening yeah. or as dangerous, you know? It's like I can see the way in which the super hand fighty Southpaw who likes kicks mm-hmm. is annoying for someone well, like Cater. Score. They'll score yeah. for sure. But it's just ultimately Cater is like going to punch him in the face very hard. Hard, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think Chikadze, it probably ends up either being Cater if that fight doesn't come together or. Uh, Maybe Korean Zombie, that's also possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if Zombie wants to fight down twice in a row, but there's also, like, no real route up. Um, Yair, maybe, if that fight falls through. But, like, if he ever really fights cares? anyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're both dead. Maybe if Zabit is resurrected. Um, zombie. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's a fun division. Uh, Chikadze is a worthwhile addition, even if I'm not, like, as sold on him. Like, it's, mm-hmm. it's a weird thing. Um, uh, one of our patrons and good friend of everyone, uh, Ronan, he brought up to me that like a lot of the times step ups for prospects, they don't seem to show as much as we want them to. Uh, and this is one of those fights where you could, Barboza, definitely a lot better than anyone Chikazi had faced before this. Uh, the, the closest comparison is Cub Swanson and Swanson, God bless him. He's old. Uh, He's very old and like, (laughs) he's good. He's still good enough to compete with very good fighters, but he's definitely old. And you could see that in that fight. Uh, so Barboza looked in, I wouldn't say career best form, but at least like very, very, very dangerous form against Burgos. Mm-hmm. And yet it still feels like we came out of the site not learning a ton, if that makes sense. Uh, so yeah, maybe the next one is the one, but it's also kind of a thing where like in MMA or even in the good divisions, you have to get up to like number five until people can do more than two things. Yeah. So who knows? <laughs> cool um out of respect i choose not to discuss the fights that were attached to the ultimate fighter um let's wait until they fight someone a little more relevant to the ufc pool um just so we can you know draw any sort of conclusions from that uh so we're not gonna talk about any of those so down to kevin lee and d-rod um you did commentary for this on patreon um i heard it was great and that you uh you're on on the verge of being d-rod pilled I'm not completely sure I'd say that. Uh, Mostly because he's a welterweight. (laughs) I don't believe in welterweights anymore. I think uh, they're all just waiting to disappoint me. Um, It's like, you know, it's kind of like that corollary to Murphy's Law where, like, anything that can go wrong will go wrong, but anything that goes right is just to set up something worse to go wrong later. Um, (laughs) That's you in a nutshell. (laughs) That's welterweight in a nutshell. It's, you know, when when one guy looks good, he's just going to look like complete trash later. Uh, but D-Rod, he looks fun. Uh, I like watching him. He's entertaining. 
Uh, I actually kind of liked how he dealt with Lee's game on the feet. Uh, Lee won the striking in the first round, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, mostly just because he was like big and countered the kicks actively. And then D-Rose started punching off the kicks, started putting combinations together off them. Uh, I believe at the end of the second, well, like from the beginning of the second, he was like inside round kicking, drawing out that long uh, counter and uh, just combo punching really hard and forcing Lee into exchanges that he couldn't afford. One thing about Lee, though, he is still crazy, crazy strong at welterweight. I don't understand it. Uh, it was I don't remember which round it was, but there was a point where he was in no position to tip D Rod over, and he just did. He it was the first to. round. Yeah, he yeah. shot a shot a double and was like double underhooks, shot through them to the single, and then like uh, hit the uh, hit the club finish, the clothesline finish on the single. Oh, yeah, I but he that. was like totally dead to rights on his entry. Should not have been able to get to a leg. Um, and just stayed there and just, you know, stood up with it and switched to the single. I'm like, what the hell? Um, but that's the same reason why he couldn't do it later. Um, cause he had to muscle it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he, he's still, it's funny. I wrote the first ever wrestling for MMA article about Kevin Lee. And in that article, he demonstrated that he understood how to set up takedowns in MMA he doesn't know how anymore. It's really confusing. Um, like he's, he's done it. I've seen him do it and he doesn't set them up anymore. And I think the way he's learning striking is just not conducive to the way he wrestles. And, uh, the whole time we've been saying, Kevin Lee, become a pressure fighter, train at Kings MMA, train it anywhere that has pressure fighters, uh, on the feet. And that's not TriStar. It's not what TriStar is. Like, you'll become a better grappler, uh, technically, and I think he's become a better striker in terms of skill. But he hasn't become a better striker in terms of function that matters. Um, And, you know, you can't just, like, be slightly better and exist on the feet and then randomly shoot sometimes. That doesn't work. Um, You know what I mean? Like, he he got exposed for not having a process, um, which has happened many times, but it's... That's that's why D-Rod beat him. It's because he had a game, and he just had to stop him from doing one thing, basically. And uh, it was a whole different fight. But, yeah, Lee, like... It was probably more energy efficient for him to grapple than to strike. Because that's when D-Rod was kind of making him panic and, you know, making him throw empty volume and kind of try to scare him off and, and get uncomfortable. He sees Stan start to fall apart. He's still uncomfortable in his feet under under fire. Um, understandable, but maybe not as much when you're a UFC veteran um, who has fought for an interim title. Anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think so. I think grappling was definitely better for him, and he was doing pretty well um, in the first round. I really like uh, when uh, Daniel Rodriguez sat into him and was trying to get his hips back. He pulled up the leg and shelved it on his hip, um, and you know stacked him to guard to keep him on his back. And and that was nice. He had a couple of nice transitions to, I think the dummy mount. Um, he did some good stuff. So, he, you know, it wasn't like guarantee he was going to hold him down the entirety of the round every time, but I think he would have been able to slow the fight down and, and get some breaks almost from having to strike. Um, so, you know, in that first round, he proved he can chain, he can chain to finishes, even if he has a bad shot. Um, so why not do that? You know, why are yeah. we wasting time not setting thing, anything up on the feet? Just getting gassed, 
because this guy's better than you on the feet and you can't handle your pace. Um, like you need to be grappling because you can't, you can't keep it up. Um, so just, there's a, a disconnect there and I'm not confident at all that he's going to figure it out because he's still saying things like, I got got to figure this out. I'm going to figure it out. I'm like, you don't know. Yeah, you don't know was, what's wrong, dude. He's like, all the haters <laughs> can burn in hell. And I'm like, okay, no one's, everyone feels sorry for Kevin Lee at this point. Like, I've I don't supported know if you a long time, yeah. brother. It's, you know, it's different. I don't think there's any reason I'm for concerned. anyone to hate I'm Kevin Lee. <laughs> he, he's not bad enough to hate. He's like perfectly he's, competent. And he's several a good person, things. I think. Yeah. And it's like, it's just, you, you feel like he should be doing more with the things that he has. He's yeah. just a freak athlete. He's crazy strong. Um, we saw in the Barboza fight, he can really, really push through adversity. There were some points in that, uh, one point in that fight, rather, which, like, most guys would have just given up pressuring entirely, and he just went at Barboza. Mm -hmm. It's just, I think there are a couple issues with TriStar for Kevin Lee specifically. Uh, the first one is that, A, he has to be on the back foot. Um, being uncomfortable in their fire, that's a lot worse on the back foot than the front foot because you're not dictating the exchanges anymore. Uh, and if you're a cage wrestler who is completely willing and very capable of just stronking people on the fence... Why would you go back to the fence yourself? It's like you basically need to shoot around them to get there. Uh, unless you're like a Leon Edwards who has like super slick clinch entries and can flip guys over and then shoot on the fence, which isn't really a thing that Kevin Lee has ever done ever. He doesn't have the defense to do that. It's not an option. And I think the other one is the, is the jab. Uh, a lot of people, I think they look at Lee as like, you know, long-armed wrestler, top controller guy. Obviously, he's going to be like GSP, but... The jab takes a ton of layering to be remotely viable. If you don't have a good jab and you just have a jab, you're kind of fucked. There's no reason to throw it. Um, <laughs> there, there was a point in the D-Rod fight even. He switched to orthodox or south. I don't, remember, I don't know what stance D-Rod is. I think he's a southpaw. Uh, but Lee went southpaw. He jabbed three times. D-Rod countered it three different times. Like cross countered it and he hit him with a lead hook. Yeah, oh yeah, he was, was cross countering him all day. <laughs> yeah, and like, and he hit him with another cross counter and Lee's just like, okay, fuck this, and went back to orthodox. Like, there is Lee doesn't have the understanding of defense, proactive defense, nor reactive defense to be able to jab for free and prevent guys from returning. And he doesn't really have the offensive depth to really be like fainting guys' reactions out, even with like a massive range advantage. It's just not something that he's been able to do. Ally Quinta is not the most prolific jab counterer out there, and Ally Quinta <laughs> made his jab look shit. So there's a reason that Kevin Lee has relied heavily on the rear kick and the rear hand. Uh, it, in the open stance, it extends the distance, and it means that guys can't just walk through it. Guys don't have as many like committed counters to it. It's tougher. Um, and he has a much better understanding of playing those tools off each other. Francisco Trinaldo is not an easy guy to outstrike in open stance. And Kevin Lee didn't, like, outstrike him on the hole, but he did hit him with a head kick that got him with that cartwheel Uchimata thing. So that's cool. But at TriStar, where they're trying to make everyone into jabby, backfoot, reactive shooter, that's not something that's going to do well for him. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I mean, I agree with everything that you said. Uh, I don't really think Kevin Lee's a case of wasted potential at this point. I think we've seen the ceiling of what he can do with uh, the one coach that he had, um, I think Dewey Cooper, was it? And Robert Follis and he passed away. Oh, yeah, yeah that, that actually makes it a lot more tragic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is sad. Yeah, that's actually super sad because I think it was right after Follis that Barboza happened, right? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as I said, there's a lot to feel bad for Kevin Lee about. 
Um, but yeah, I think the current coaching is not going to go well. And without the right resource, like even even if you went to someone like Kings MMA, I don't really know if he has the durability or the cardio to make that game work for particularly long. Um, it's just it's a it's tough. Like we've seen one nice five round showcase from him, and I feel like that's all we're going to get. Mm-hmm. So the rest of this card uh, was pretty unimportant. Gerald Mearshart. But Gerald Mearshart. <laughs> Um, tell me, tell me about Gerald Mershart and his fight with Mahmoud Muradov. Okay, right after the Muradov fight, I just pasted like the the last couple seconds of that fight, like up to the takedown, onto the Eric Anders defense compilation and put it to can't be touched because <laughs> that guy is hilarious. Gerald Mershart is the goat. Um, he so against Muradov. Um, I don't really know what Muradov's game is. All I really know about him is that he was in some adult-oriented content in the past. And he, he has like a trading card that has all his stats on it. <laughs> yeah, I, I looked it up for some reason. I've seen the <laughs> pictures. It's, but yeah, I know that about him. And I know he was on a win streak at middleweight. He was like a minus 500 going in. Uh, and I mean, I think Gerald Mearshart did a really nice job steering the fight until where he wants it to be. Um, Muradov, he seemed to be more of a counterpuncher in this fight, but Mearshart came out really forcing that role upon him. Uh, lots of rear side kicking, lots of jabbing to draw out the counter, and lots of just eating the counter and just learning from how he ate the counter, if that makes sense. Uh, like, near the end of the fight, he built on pretty much every read he had. He started jabbing out the counter, getting behind his shoulders and countering back. Uh, he drew out the big right-hand counter that staggered him at the beginning of round two and shot right underneath it, like a throwaway straight into a shot as uh, Mordov came back, which was really cool. It's like something genuinely smart fighters do. Uh, and I think the end, like the clinch entry, like weaved underneath a lead hook into the clinch, which like, it was incredibly slow, like everything you did against Eric Anders, but it worked. It's middleweight, like having, trying to have defense is impressive. So yeah, I support Gerald Mearshart. I do not support that he shaved off the beard. The beard helped us look a lot. Uh, he, he looks uncomfortable now. I don't really like looking at him that much anymore. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I support him. Uh, he... Fisher Hill grows back, but Will is forever. Yeah, he's a good guy. I support him as well. Uh, yeah, the rest of the card happened. Um, I'm not going to talk about it. So <laughs> <laughs> next event to discuss is one from before this, uh, Cannoneer versus Gastelum. And I just have a few remarks about some fights. Um, but I did do commentary for this one. I did the commentary for Royville Pantoja and Cannoneer Gaslam. Um, and then uh, the video didn't work for Cannoneer Gaslam. Same thing that happened to me on the Bellator card where like the, the where the screen would have been recording was black, but I was still there. Um, I blocked it somehow. But for some reason, the Royal Pantoja stream worked. So whatever. Um, but <laughs> just some remarks before we talk about the main event. Uh, Mark Madsen versus Guida was terrible. Um, and Madsen... Uh, it's not ready to fight anyone good. Um, he had to like be a patient outfighter to try to beat Guido, and it was really weird. Um, you know, Guido, Guido's old man, like, you gotta <laughs> he's wearing it well, but you, you should just try to kill him. I know you're old too, but you don't have the same miles. Um, totally different. Um, this guy's getting rocked by Jim Miller, man. Like, you don't have to have huge power, you just gotta hit him clean. Uh, which you can do if you go at him, his defense isn't good, so that was annoying. Um, I, I expected that to be 
a really frustrating fight for Madsen and that you know people multiple people asked me if they should bet on that I said no don't bet on that it's gonna be too way too close way too close and it was um so there's that um other stuff besides the important bites mm, no <laughs> so, so let's talk about Cannonier Gastelum first, but then we'll do Pantoja Royal because that's better. Yeah, I mean, Cannonier Gastelum, uh, I watched it after the fact because uh, the, the day after I had to show up here, the dreaded place with the good lighting um, in the early morning, and I didn't want to wake up for a card that had just god awful pacing, just the worst pacing I've ever seen. Uh, but yeah, it was a fun fight. Um, Cannoneer did some stuff. Uh, he's an active kicker, even if he's a lot less shrewd at setting up his kicks as even Gastelum was. Uh, Gastelum did a lot of work, like, drawing his big retreats and kicking him on the exit. Cannoneer's just like, haha, I can kick you off both legs, and I kick super hard, it's fine. Uh, and he won an output on the outside. In the pocket, uh, it felt like Kelvin's speed was a big thing. Uh, he kind of did that, like, offbeat, too, with, like, the slap drawing the guard and hitting him down the pipe. Uh, but uh, most of it was... Uh, Cannoneer doing some nice stuff with the jab hook from Southpaw. I think that's how he got the knockdown. Was I think he could have actually been Southpaw a lot, a lot more because he was pretty much able to, at the very least, keep Kelvin at bay with the jab for free. Uh, and he would have gotten the outside leg kick a bit more. And Kelvin isn't really all that against other Southpaws ever. Um, and he would have gotten the jab hook change up a bit more. But in the third round, I believe, right at the beginning, he just like showed the jab and just fainted into the big right hook and it sat Kelvin down super, super hard. Uh, and Calvin just did not die somehow. Uh, but from Orthodox, uh, I actually liked how Cannoneer kind of built off the work that other guys did on Kelvin, which was like Kelvin, for all his like decent mechanics as a puncher, pretty much any time he throws his rear hand, he's like falling in behind it. Um, Adesanya took full advantage of that. Robert Whittick, well, Adesanya did like he'd um, retreat at an angle as Kelvin just kind of swung past him and as Kelvin was, his weight was committed and his feet were spread, he just blasted him with the rear hand. Uh, Whitaker did a lot with the counter jab as he reset and later with that uh, uppercut. Cannoneer was mostly just the, um, the the right hand counter, angling away, pivoting and hitting him with the right. So that was a, a good read from Cannoneer, very specific. Uh, I don't really think either guy has a particularly high ceiling at middleweight where like middleweight uh, high ceiling basically means top two and both of them have lost to Robert Whitaker. Um, yeah, and I don't think that fight looks particularly winnable for either in any universe. Uh, Cannoneer, I think, did a bit better because he like won maybe a round. Uh, Kelvin just got shut out. So. He hurt Whitaker a little bit once, I think. Yeah, that, that was There's actually more than you can say about Kelvin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's another thing about Cannoneer is that he's weirdly conscious about the way that his stance switches work. Uh, he's like fainting kicks and shifting through them, which he did against Whitaker to stun him with a jab. Uh, he. Like, I don't really know if he has good positioning in exchanges, but he seems to understand that he can't just switch stances in front of the other guy, which is something for middleweight. Um, Kelvin just did Kelvin things. I think Kelvin understands his role as a middleweight, honestly, which is I have a 25% chance of seriously hurting anyone I fight. <laughs> uh, might as well not train super hard and try to improve if I can just take a whole bunch of short notice fights. Um, you know, like, it, it makes sense, right? Like, you're never going to catch, if you're Kelvin Gaslam, you're never going to catch up with a Robert Whitaker. You're probably not going to catch up with even a Jared Cannonier in terms of how much he's really genuinely put effort into the way that he boxes. But if you have the attributes and you're filling in for Paulo Costa all the time and Paulo Costa mm -hmm. is a big, lumbering orthodox and you're a quick southpaw, the other guy's going to have to change and you can just do your thing. 
and it makes sense. And he's always going to have the, the sort of um, the value as a win somehow. The more he loses, the more value he has. He's like the Benjamin Button of value. But people are always going to take that fight with him. Uh, and it's going to be like Kelvin Gastelum showcase all the time. Everyone's going to be showcasing upon him. Uh, and I think that's cool because I don't really <laughs> like Kelvin Gastelum, but he deserves better. Uh, it's just I don't think he really thinks he can get there. Uh, it's a fine career move. It's not good for his health. It's like it's the equivalent of tying him to a pole and beating him with sticks. Exactly the same. Uh, <laughs> so that's that fight. Uh, Pantoja Royval was scary for me because I really wanted Pantoja to win because I like him. And uh, he has two wins over Brandon Moreno, so it'd be kind of weird if he never got a title shot. Also, I'm going to pretend that I really think he won the Ascara fight, even though I don't really have a strong feeling about that, but now I do, that he should have won that fight. So uh, really, he's on a great win streak, uh, only lost to Figueredo, and uh, undefeated otherwise. No one has ever beat him, um, and I'm not going to check. So <laughs> I like him. I like him plenty. He had a nice little performance against uh, Mental Cap, who was dumb in that fight, but Pantoja had a, had a good thing going. Now he's doing really well with his straight kicking and his, uh, you know, Southpaw attacks, his open stance attacks, and just had, had a nice little dynamic going. And um, yeah, he, he just led well. He led well and, and Cop never got what he wanted, which was for Pantoja to run in at him. <laughs> uh, he really never had to do that too much. And, uh, you know, Cap didn't want to lead because Pantoja's got good reactive takedowns. Um, so Pantoja gets on top of Royville. Um, many times, but Royville does very well to keep getting the turtle and fight wrists and just keep circling and just keep moving and don't stop. And, uh, Pantoja is a good control artist, but it's, it's tough to deal with that sometimes. Um, and Royville was able to do that long enough to be annoying and make Pantoja do something else and get up, which was great because on the feet, he was putting on a lot of pressure. Um, it wasn't the smartest pressure. It was more like just aggressive volume but he was putting it on um, and he was doing a try to work to the body and Pantoja was swinging crazy and Pantoja was gassing and Pantoja was taking bad shots. And it was like, okay, this is working. <laughs> this is working very well. Um, and just a couple of times Royville overcommitted to his rear hand um, and Pantoja, I believe hit like a cool slip uh, clinch entry uh, to the back. And uh, that time it was over. So I think Royville might have uh, gassed himself out a little bit with that approach because he wasn't as quick to respond. But I also think he just got put in a more dominant position and didn't really have the room to be as scrambly as he was earlier. But uh, Pantoja is kind of lucky. Um, he he knew what he was doing in terms of kind of letting Royville try to drown him and just waiting for the time to fully commit to something. But he was in a bad way. Um, that wasn't going to go well. So. Uh, much respect to him for pulling that out. And also Royal's probably kicking himself because he could have won that. Um, I don't know. But is that a fight that makes you think he's got anything for Moreno? Uh, it's tough. Um, I was also very nervous for this fight, but for the opposite reason, I like Royal a lot. Oh, okay. Um, I think he's fun. And I, this never looked like a super winnable fight for him, honestly. Uh, and after the fight, it kind of looked super winnable, as you mentioned. Uh, it's just that, you know, he was able to make the control early. Uh, I think it's weird to say. Like, I, there are a lot of times, this, like, a lot of iterations of this fight where Pintocha just instantly locks down the back the way he did in the second round and the first round. And we're like, hey, Royville just never had any shot. Uh, and there are at least as many iterations of that as there are of Royville taking over after the second. 
so I think it's like we saw the breadth of outcomes in this fight. Uh, and I think it's weird because I think Royville had a good idea of the offense that he wanted. Uh, he hand fought. He threw the straight to the body a lot. Lots of rear kicking as always. Uh, it's just the way that he fights. He's getting clapped in the pocket every single time he does anything. Uh, Pantoja, not like a super clever counterpuncher, I'd say, but one who has good triggers on it. He has a good feel for it. Um, lots of right hands as guys enter or as they overcommit on whatever they're doing. Pen, uh, Royville just ate it. He ate it every single time in the first round. It was very scary. It looked like he had like his eye hurt at some point. Um, he just did not bother to defend anything. And I think that's like, if you're that sort of fighter, I think Royville understood the dynamic of the fight super well. Uh, it just didn't end up the way that he needed to. Like at the end, um, he played it a bit too fast and loose. And sometimes, like when you're constantly baiting back takes from a guy, he's going to back take you if he's Alexandre Pantoja. It just happens. Uh, so you know, sucks for Royval. Lost two in a row. I wanted. I honestly, I mostly wanted him to win this because I don't really know if Pantoja has it in him to beat Moreno anymore. Yeah. Uh, the, the specific ways in which he's declined athletically, where his tank looks a bit more ragged. Um, that's bad with Brandon Moreno, who is unkillable. Uh, over five rounds, it's really tough. Um, Pantoja did kind of bully Moreno on the ground in both of their fights, I believe, but he didn't finish him, and you probably need to finish him. Uh, honestly, I'm, I'm just kind of frustrated with flyweight in general. Like, it's there are a lot of rematches going on, which is fine, because like all the guys who should be fighting each other have fought each other, but the rematches don't seem all that cool. Um, Royval Moreno 2 was probably kind of the coolest one out there like Fig Moreno 3 I don't really care um, Pantoja Moreno 3 that could be cool if Pantoja is still there but I don't really suspect he is Askarov Moreno 2 like Moreno won that pretty clearly the first time so I don't really care um, but you know maybe Pantoja can do something I think Pantoja probably beats him up the way he did the first time for a bit it's just tough to trust him to sustain him for too long yeah uh, it, it feels like they're bringing a lot of guys in for Moreno, like rematches of guys that he lost to to like avenge like when they're way after their prime, and it's annoying to me. They're going to buy Sergio Pettis back from Bellator when he's like 90. I need Sergio. I'm talking about bandmates now, too. I need Sergio. I need Jimmy. I need Kojo Horiguchi. Jimmy Rivera, obviously. We're on the first name basis. Jim Horiguchi. Mello, I, I need uh, Bibulatov. He's getting in there, too. Uh, throw them all together. Yeah, make make me a tournament. I just want to see it, see them all fight. Um, you know, with, with these weight classes, I really, I really just want to see everyone fight each other. <laughs> they're they're all so good. Yeah. Um, I love it. I love it. Um, but yeah, that was definitely a weird one. But I'm happy with the outcome. And Royville will either figure things out or he won't. And that's <laughs> kind of, that's kind of how it is with every fighter. But you know, enjoy it while it lasts, just in case. So otherwise. There was also a PFL playoff event. I didn't watch the fights intensely enough to give a lot um, about it, but just it was the featherweight playoffs, which are the most important ones. And um, I don't know if this was a playoff fight, but Shaman Marais won. Uh, uh, yeah, he knocked out Lazar Stoyadinovich with the same um, counter that he had hurting Julio Arce with, which I believe was a cross counter. Um, so I hurt him with that, finished him. I think he was losing before that. But that is how he do. Um <laughs> Shoe face is winning. That's good. And uh, for the featherweight playoffs, like the, the main fights, uh, Movli Khaibulayev uh, got the decision over Brennan Lochnan, but I heard that that was wrong. Um, but Movli is like very functional, uh, can do a lot, you know, knows his transitional work pretty well, um, is a good athlete, 
but locked in, you know, definitely deeper as a striker. Um, and uh, I like I like his uh, his approach. I like how he fights. I think he probably did get robbed. Um, just judging by Kaibalaya, probably had a little edge in positions, um, or maybe like looking like he was doing more with his power or whatever. It might have been grappling related. I again, I haven't seen it. Um, <laughs> I'm just projecting, uh, but you know, I, the, based on that, Lockin probably didn't get enough credit for actually landing stuff. But uh, we'll see them both again. Um, they'll probably fight each other again next season. But yeah, um, I'll watch that one for sure because I think I think Lockton's impressed me a decent amount. Um, and then the other fight was Chris Wade versus Bubba Jenkins. Uh, Bubba Jenkins has been looking a lot better lately. Uh, kind of turned into a combination counterpuncher, which is pretty cool. Uh, has really like learned to get off of his hands. And was doing some cool transitional work. I mean, he's always a good wrestler, uh, but just the you know being able to go between phases uh, can be very helpful, especially when you're someone who gasses or fades, um, which is what happened here. <laughs> Chris Wade is phenomenally conditioned. Phenomenally conditioned. That's um, a word. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And uh, he uses it. He uses it. He fights like a crazy person. He just jumps at him and just tries to get in their face and just do tons of stuff do stuff doesn't matter it's very enthusiastic a lot of it um i respect that approach um you know you know what works for you and you're, you're forcing it um and uh yeah he he was forcing grappling exchanges and he hit some, some really cool transitions uh cool sweeps uh he probably couldn't hold him down he was moving on him um and yeah he, he wore him out and he uh he took over and it's very very impressive very impressive to out wrestle bobby jenkins who this same season now wrestled Lance Palmer. So PFL has got some wrestlers. Uh, <laughs> I'm happy about that. Maybe I'll watch uh, some of these fights between these guys uh, from the season, do something on that someday. Um, some commentary if the screen recording will let me, uh, but <laughs> that's uh that's pretty cool. Do you have any thoughts about these guys? Uh, yeah, I didn't watch too many of them. I watched um, Shaman obviously. Cause like, why not? Shaman's super cool. I don't think he cross-countered Arce much, but he did counter him with like a, a hard rear hand as Arce yeah. entered. Which All I mean, rear hand counters are cross-counters. Yeah, I agree. Because <laughs> you're uh, using but, a cross. <laughs> yeah, that was, was that just kind of a weird one because I had like a, um, with uh, Lazar Stoyadinowit, uh, I'm not going to try that. Uh, I know you people mispronounced my last name and I know how bad it feels, so I'm sorry, Lazar. But, yeah, it was with Lazar. Uh, it was like the last exchange was actually kind of funny because it looked like Lazar was doing that kind of, uh, you know, when both guys slip through your hands and they have like that kind of interlocking thing. Uh, Cal and Cater and Shane Burgos have that a bunch where both guys swing the right hand and they kind of uh, get into like a lace and uh, Cater broke the left hook of the body as they were stuck in that position. But there it was like Shane Morales kind of hit him on the side of the head as Lazar swung. He didn't like slip deep enough or like actually slip. And it looked like the left hook knocked him out, but it was just the right hand. So that was cool. Um, Marthen Hamlet and Cesar Fajeda was weird. I remember that. Uh, I, it's so weird to name a guy Marthen and then he turns out to be a light heavyweight. Like, he's not Marthen at all. But, yeah, leg injury, 13 seconds. Uh, not much to say. Uh, yeah, I watched parts of Movlead and uh, Lofnan. I didn't really have a strong opinion on the decision because I didn't watch enough of it, but Movlead seems fun. Um, yeah, not much. I'm looking at the card now. Apparently, Bobby Moffat fought Jason Knight, which is news to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Jason Knight has been pretty bad for a really long yeah. time now. So, yeah. yeah. So, this weekend, we have the Brunson versus Till card. And there are actually a few fights I'd like to talk about. But make no mistake, it's a bad card. Um, but you're probably not 
you don't want to hear that anymore. You know, I've been saying that several weeks in a row, but it is true. So the first fight of the night actually is kind of a layup, but it's a good layup. Uh, Jonathan Martinez is back uh, after his uh, unfortunate knockout loss at Davy Grant, uh, but he's he's cool, man. Um, and he's fighting Marcelo Rojo, who um, Jordan just beat. So we know that he can be broken down with open side kicks. So I think he will break him down with open side kicks. Um, it's kind of cruel matchmaking, but I'm not sure if whoever made that fight directly realizes that, or maybe like Martinez asked for it. I don't know, but it's weird coincidence. If somebody didn't realize that that was a really good matchup for him. Um, but I digress. So the next cool fight in the card is Charles Rodin versus Julian Arosa. That that feels like a bit of a layup too, right? Yeah, I don't really have as much as many opinions on Arosa. Rather, he has derailed at least one prospect, the, the the guy with the huge head, who the the the, the tall guy, the skinny uh, guy. Yeah, I don't remember his name. Woodson. That's it. But yeah, Jordan seems a lot more functional. Um, Arosa just got knocked out like a couple weeks ago. I feel like right. That was <laughs> it wasn't a couple weeks knockout. ago, but it wasn't that yeah. long ago. You're right. June nineteenth. So about oh, eight or nine that's, weeks that's, ago. Oh. Yeah. Oh, no. So it kind of was a couple weeks ago. That's too soon. Way too soon. He got knocked out in like a minute. So that's too soon. That's concerning. Jordan can kind of, I mean, Jordan has never like really been in the UFC, at least, the kind of guy to kill a guy with one punch. I'm really but he's not also, about that. What yes, the hell? He's not seemed like a um, a soft hitter by any means. Uh, oh. I mean, most of what he does is just, it's very process driven. He like kicks guys' arms a lot. Uh, and then he builds off the jab and he does that sort of thing. But, you know, it's very weird because Jordan, like, I think the biggest issue he has is just ring craft. He doesn't get pressuring all that quickly. Uh, and I don't think Arosa is really the guy to take advantage of that. I think Jordan isn't going to fade and probably ends up taking over. And I don't really trust Arosa's durability under these circumstances. So uh, go Charles. It's really messed up, man. Yeah, that's... You know, they were like, if you don't take this fight, we're going to get Contender ago. Series guy 32 to fill your place. That's how that's how soon Edgar came back against Swanson, right, after the Ochega fight? Uh, I don't think... I think it might have been a bit sooner for Edgar, but I'm not sure. Sooner? Yeah, I think so. I'm not sure. What about Bisping coming back versus Kelvin? Oh, uh, that was, I think... Oh, that might have been way sooner. I'm not sure. I think Bisping-Kelvin was like a single month. Um, I hate that. Yeah, Bisping-Kelvin so was actually like three weeks. There's no way that should be allowed. Yeah. Uh, Bisping doesn't, Bisping's not the guy who needs, like, money either. He just wanted to do it for some reason. They're like, go ahead. I guess they don't consider it, like, getting knocked, because that was after GSP, right? Yeah, it was. I guess he didn't consider it getting knocked out, but you got he didn't get knocked bro. out. You got a concussion. He got he knocked, knocked out you. and then strangled. <laughs> yeah. Like, he knocks you out. Like, you can't fight again that quickly. You're gonna, dude... Like, it's not it, even it doesn't about fix ability. getting knocked out the fact that you care. got strangled after. Like, I, I'm not going to make any claims about how it affects your fighting ability, but if you get knocked out again, you fucked up so bad. Like, Second excuse impact, my language. Right? But that, yeah, that is so obviously terrible. Um, do you care at all about your brain? Like, you have a family? Like, that's so dumb. Um, they both have families, Bisping and Edgar. Like, what are you doing, man? Like, you're both very well paid. Um like that's just ego. Like you can't you can't do that. And they shouldn't let you do that. And I'm very upset about it. And I'm upset about it every time it happens. And I can't like decide if I want to root for them to do well because I don't want them to get hurt. 
or to root for something bad to happen because I want people to see that you can't do that. And it's just like, that's, it's, it's so wrong. It's so yeah. wrong. I mean, it's, it kind of reminds me of when uh, Jimmy Rivera got knocked out by uh, Marlon Moraes on like June 1st or something. And then he came back in September uh, against John Dodson, who can really punch that guy. He's like, that's a scary fight to take off a knockout. Uh, and I mean, yeah, Jimmy won, but it's not like anyone really remembers that he took that fight right after a knockout. It doesn't make it any more impressive for anybody. Just Even take if you a don't damn get knocked break. out, just any more damage you take to yeah. the head is doing some serious stuff. You know, it's, it's not like, like they rewarded you for yeah. that much either. You, you got released after like five more fights. You, yeah, that's you how they thanked you, bro. That's how they thanked you. So don't do that shit for the UFC. If you're a Being fighter, a company man doesn't this, do anything for you. Don't do anything for them. They will not return the favor unless you're Sam Alvey. <laughs> like you got to be really licking the boot to get that kind of treatment. You got to be so, eating the boot. You need to advocate against labor movements, and you got to take low pay, and you got to you know completely demean yourself. And it's just like it's not worth it. The state, the state of this is just disgusting, man. And you I know it's not better in other combat sports yourself. either. I know they're all like this. Yeah. But, but oof, that's so yeah, that's bad. a shame. I yeah. mean, I'm. In an objective sense, I'd be rooting for Jordan like very, very strongly here. Uh, at this point, I kind of just hope Arosa gets through it, okay. Um, but you know, it's a shame. Uh, like this is early September versus mid June, so it's been not even three whole months. That's gross. Uh, I said multiple fights that matter, but actually, it was just those. So <laughs> you could you could get to talk about Till Brunson. <laughs> Yeah, I don't really have super strong takes on this one. I guess it really depends on whether Brunson can get Till down. Uh, I've never really thought super highly of Brunson's takedown entries, and Till seems fairly physical in the clinch. Uh, he was able to hold off Tyron Woodley trying to just strong him because uh, he's you know tall and huge. Even for middleweight, he's super big. Uh, like Robert Whitaker does not look like a small middleweight despite being a former welterweight, and uh, Till looked noticeably taller and enforced a longer range. Mm-hmm. So, like, taking him down seems like a really tough thing. And he threatens uppercuts, and I think Brunson's particular style of doing everything exposes him very badly to uppercuts. Yeah, um, I mean, I just can't get the image out of my head of, like, Kevin Holland landing pretty clean every time he threw straight. Um, yeah. He just, you know, walked into it and then was clinched with him. But, I mean, no, I mean, Darren Till's pretty good at stopping dumb you know, rear hand wrestlers from getting a hold of him. I mean, he's done that a few times. Uh, Calvin most recently, and Cal- that was Calvin's worst performance, but it didn't hurt that it was somebody who could kind of deal with that. Like, Darren Till is not a counterpuncher, but he can be in a way. He's getting and better he, at it, too. He's good enough at it to be dangerous enough to encourage fighters who don't have a ton of depth in the lead to think twice. So... Which is funny because Robert Whitaker is not a fighter. I think of that as someone that doesn't have depth <laughs> in the lead, but he he's messed he with him, smacked. man. Yeah. It was funny about that fight is Whitaker obviously was bothered by the fact that Till could counter him, but he was still throwing those crazy overhands. <laughs> it's like you were worried about. <laughs> it's like <laughs> I think he was just countered. like, yeah. why are you doing that? <laughs> I think he was just like he wanted to be confident that Till wouldn't plant and counter more often before trying to go for that stupid shit. But like I think it's just the length that messed with them, which is fair. I don't understand it. Yeah. It's like it's... <laughs> I think trying to cover distance is annoying for Whitaker just because it's like, you know, if you step in usually with guys like Jacare or Romero. Yeah, it's PTSD from Izzy. Yeah, that's also possible. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this is kind of a case where even if Till's not a super great counterpuncher, he doesn't really have to be against Bronson. Uh, even now, the mechanics of everything Brunson does, they're incredibly ugly. He's better at setting them up. Uh, he, like, kicked 
Shabazian a bunch on the outside, but I, like, I don't really know if that's going to work. Yeah. Push him to kick. Like, against Till, I'm not really sure if that's going to work with the distance that Till keeps, and Whitaker was a bit more diligent about the drawing Till's retreat so that he couldn't plan the counter before kicking him. I don't really know if Brunson has that sort of craft. Um, and, yeah, basically everything he does on the lead is, like, his chin six feet ahead of his torso. Uh, yeah. It's gross. And I think Till has a bunch of tools to deal with that. And I think the other issue, uh, again, going back to the Holland fight, is on the feet. Brunson didn't really seem to care about the ring craft all that much at all. Like, the first thing I remember about that fight was Holland coming out aggressive and Brunson being like, meh, okay, guess he's coming out aggressive, better deal with this later. Um, and Till, that's, like, Till is not a counterpuncher, but the thing that he does really well is use the threat of his counters to walk you to the fence, and then he starts killing you. Um, against Whitaker, even, he was able to play the straight off the uppercut. Uh, against the, the, the best example is uh, Masvidal and Cerrone where he was able to duck Masvidal into a big uppercut to the body and start carving up his guard. Cerrone just never stood a chance, obviously, but till sort of, you know, uh, slipped elbows through the high guard and used the rear hook and the rear uppercut. Like, if he gets you to the fence and you're not super poised defensively, it's tough for you. You can play off your reactions and really, really punish you for that. Uh, and I think Brunson, he's kind of in a catch-22 here. If, if he can wrestle, that's fine, but I think Till's going to be tough for him to wrestle with the way that he tries to wrestle. Uh, and if he tries to strike, it's it's either expose himself to counters from an okay counterpuncher uh, in the worst possible way or get pressured and get punched a lot. So I guess I'm, I don't really care about who wins. I, I think Till's a lot better, but he's also like super inactive and I people care about him maybe a bit too much. Um, I think he's fine and he probably beats a bunch of guys, but it's like he's not the great British hope. But, you know, if he could be, that's fine. Um, he's got an interesting enough game for a middleweight, which is damning with faint praise. Uh, uh, <laughs> f- fine. Like, you know, I'm picking Till. I guess I'm rooting for Till because he's better. And uh, I'm rooting for Till Izzy to nevertheless never, ever happen. Yes. So we're both picking Till, and we both think it'll be not that exciting to... You know, not even like the fight, but just like that, that till one probably won't be that exciting. It'll just be like, okay, I feel the <laughs> yeah. same about the division. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I feel like people kind of like, if you look at the Wonder Boy fight and the Gaslam fight, both were split decisions. Gaslam shouldn't have been, but Till desperately needs some legitimacy. Uh, yeah. And like, this even, isn't the fight to give him that. <laughs> exactly. Like, Brunson is kind of, he's a layup on the feet, and it's really just kind of a wrestling threat. So who knows? But, and then if he doesn't, do well on the feet then it's like he, his stock is lowered um even if he yeah. wins if he doesn't you know make brunson look really dumb um his reputation is going to be uh worse so that's that and of course next week is anthony smith versus ryan span oh, no. main event my uh, what's the rest of this card oh god i'm looking at the card right now i Oh, my God. That's the end of the podcast. See you next week.